0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the show, episode number 74. We're talking about how we go about hunting swamps in this episode. We're going to start doing a series of these types of shows for you, uh, specifically on different types of terrains. Um, I don't know how many weeks we're going to do this, probably until we run out of uh, terrains to talk about, Um, but we want to get through about all the terrains, hill country, farm country. Um, this, this week was, with swamps and, and marshes. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this series. It's going to be something that you can look back on in the future and have kind of a refresher before you go out scouting or go out hunting with that go down to the description of this video and head over to the YouTube channel. Give us a subscribe over there. I have my tea spring store down and linked in the description there. You can, guys can get some also, I just got a big shipment of merch for the shows. Uh, in the next coming weeks, so if you're at the show, they'll have some really cool merch. Uh, one piece I'm really excited about. So, also make sure you write a review on whatever platform you're listening to this channel on. I would really appreciate it, everybody. Okay, right into the episode.
1: <laughs> I don't see
0: anybody. In there. <laughs> How do you know people are you all in there? I can't see anybody in there, uh, they're in there. You're not right. looking hard enough. You get them, uh, go to that eye doctor. Have you done that yet? Eye be,
1: yeah. No, you know what I do? Uh, for the last 25 years, I've paid for ins- eye insurance and I've never gone. I know. These glasses, I found these. <laughs> <laughs> I found them in a parking lot. <laughs> yeah, these work.
0: You slapped them on, you're like, oh, that's a little better. Yeah, they work. No, I just was messing with you. You said uh, at one of the shows you were going to go to the eye doctor so you shoot your bow better. Yeah,
1: I probably should.
0: <laughs> i just reminding you. Anyway, been out scouting this weekend at all?
1: Oh, yeah. I got out quite a bit. I'm going to drop a video sooner or later when I get uh, time. Yep. But uh, I went out and um, found a new property. I kind of got a hint about it. I'd put on an ad. Um, looking for properties and somebody said that, uh, I could have access through their property to some remote public.
0: So wait a minute. Stop for a second. You put out an ad? Yeah. What do you, what do you mean? So I went on,
1: uh, I, I, you know, if you go on Facebook, you go to communities Yeah. and I went to communities where I wanted to hunt. And, uh, I just put an ad in the communities on Facebook and said, uh, um, looking for a um, place to to uh, deer hunt, and uh, if you know,
0: if you had anything for me, let me know. And you yeah. got the you got a response. I
1: got one response out of like five ads, hmm. and the one response, um, the guy said I could I could park at his place and, and cross to get to some remote land, and he said he's always got big bucks in his yard. So I, I looked up his address and, uh, found a property. I was like, Hmm, I never seen that property. He didn't know it was there. And, um, I studied it and I thought, well, I can get out there without going to that guy's house, which I don't like doing. I don't like accessing right. through some yard, so, but I have to walk about a mile, which is why the guy thought it was a good idea. Right. I mean, he, didn't, he didn't want, he didn't want any money or anything. It's just. You know, if you drag out a big block or you know, and then it just, you know, it starts snowballing from there. But so I went to the parking lot and uh, went in that way. And it was a long walk of um, hard ground with easy access until I got way to the back. And then I dropped down a hill and I hit a river. And uh, it wasn't an easy to cross river. And I got across the river and hit and the other side was just a jungle. It was a low dense Tamarack swamp with a lot of brush in it. Um, just, I mean, you have to push your way through a kind of brush. So right up out of the water, you're into that. And I walked up and down the river for a ways. There was no other crossings or, you know. So I got through that, got into that brush. And what I had seen on the map, looking at it, was I saw that contagious, dense Tamarack swamp that I liked. But all that contagious same type of terrain that everybody complains about, except for in the very middle of that swamp, was an opening. Um, Like a a grassy, boggy opening, Mm -hmm. which I figured was like floating bog. Um, And that opening was probably about uh, 10 acres, 15 acres, somewhere in there. Maybe 20, I don't know. Yeah, but. very large shaped opening yeah so i busted through till i got to the opening and uh there's a lot of deer sign um and when i got to the opening you could see trails all over the place there wasn't much for rubs but it wasn't the kind of trees deer could rub you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know it's all the brushy thick nasty thorny things you know so i i my plan was to get to that opening and from the opening look at the trees and look for Um, hardwood trees that rose up above the tamaracks and right away I saw you know a couple spots in the distance that had those hardwood trees on the other side of the uh, opening so my plan was to uh, skirt the edge of this opening just inside the timber and go all the way around but pay particular attention to where those hardwood trees were where I thought there's probably a little higher ground and going through that stuff I thought man there's no way anybody is coming from that parking lot going out there and I didn't find any human sign. I didn't find a tink's bottle. I didn't find a Coke bottle. I didn't find a beer can. Um, uh, I, I think I did find a beer can, but it looked like it was from 1986 Right, it was steel, you know? So there wasn't a shotgun shell laying around anywhere. There wasn't a tree you could hunt out of for most people. It was Tamarack yeah. thick, nasty areas. You couldn't get an arrow through. You couldn't shoot two yards. So, um, uh, I went around and, uh, finally, um, started coming up on the hardwoods. And then I started seeing a lot of deer sign. And even when you had saplings that were hardwoods that were near the hardwoods, those were all rubbed up. So then I started hitting a large amount of beds and I got through the beds and they tapered to a trail and everything was thick except for this trail that followed hardwoods in a line out to that opening. So I went up that and set up a uh, a stand where all the bedding came out towards that opening and why they're going to that opening. I don't know, but I know they're coming from bedding. The opening's right there, probably going through the opening and ending up crossing that river and going up into crop fields and stuff that are on the sides of the um, public up there. So I set up a, I set up a spot there. I found a tree, marked the tree, marked an access route in to get in without making it as making it as little noise as possible through that thick stuff and where i could hit anything coming out of that bedding so like from there i circled around and uh the next hardwood spot I found another killer spot where the the woods just opened up behind the uh thick stuff and uh, found where all the trails coming out of all the bedding just met at one spot picked out a tree and you know, then went around and, and uh, found another spot on the other end of it, and uh, between uh, those three spots, I actually picked out five spots, but those three were really killer. Yeah. Um, between those three spots and or five, man, I'd have to think you have an encounter in there. Yeah, it, it, look, it looks pretty good.
0: Yeah, you seem excited about it. That that uh, this sounds good. I did the same thing this week. We we. A lot of scouting, and it seemed like everywhere I went to this week, I found some pretty good stuff. Um, I thought I saw mostly, a picture of, uh, Maddie with a giant. Shed yeah, antler. here, one second. Answer this question, Dan. While I get that shed antler it's right behind me here, but people are asking about where you got your that shed antler you got on your hat there. If you can, if people can um, buy that or not.
1: What is the the website? It's um. Ah, geez, I'm horrible. Let me look quick.
0: So, uh, yeah, this is the shed that we found. It's like a weird deer. Like gets thick. It like gets heavy. I mean, I would do this, but, you know, I can't put my hands all the way around the base. So, but, you know, it has, metal, it has good. Oh, sorry. Metal, <laughs> metal calf
1: shed antlers on Facebook, and you'll find these. There you go. Okay, now let's see the antler. Sorry. Yep.
0: No, you're good. It's it's kind of a weird deer. I can't tell if it's a really big two year old or a nice or a kind of a dinky three year old. But the as base, real-
1: I would say, I'd say it's a dinky three year old. Yeah, With a good base in it.
0: Yeah, I mean I can't get my hands all the way around it. So it probably is. It has no time length, though. Just horrible genetics. Yeah.
1: But you know, sometimes those you know, so ones can get to three and or nothing, and then they they really blow up after that. Yep. Yep. Probably um, not into something really gigantic, but I mean. Yeah, twenty inches or something. I mean, yeah.
0: Now that Maddie was holding in that picture made it look a lot bigger because she's tiny. But
1: yeah, that's, um, I thought it was bigger than
0: that. <laughs> yeah, her hands only cover about half of it. She's she's real tiny, so she weighs like a hundred and whatever twenty pounds soaking wet. So, um, yeah. But we found that one. Um, I pulled some cards, man. There's a lot of deer around here still holding their antlers. Really? Um, yeah. So. You know, which is not uncommon here. I mean, mid March they'll start really falling on the ground, but um, yeah, I, we just essentially I found some leeward uh, ridges that had some really good points on them this weekend, and I mean, I walked like eight miles one day and four the other, and only got to a handful of spots. Just the nature of hill country scouting, uh, but found some really good stuff. So just. Added add him to the list of potential areas.
1: Nice. Did you see Mr. Angry came back?
0: Who? Mr. Angry. Mr. Angry? Yeah, my friend, Raccoon. Oh, yeah, on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, on Facebook. He's in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. He's been yeah, going
1: yeah. a year. I'm like, knocking at the door, like, scratching at it and stuff. I was, like, uh, freaking out. So I checked the security camera. I couldn't see anybody out there. I'm, like something's out there because it was like silent out, you know, this is one 30 morning. I just got up for work. So I go and I just kind of slowly open the door and I'm looking around out there and I look down and he's at the base of the door looking up at me for a treat. And, uh, he just looks like a bag of bones. I mean, he's he's gotta be pretty old now. And, uh, if you remember the pictures from last year, his ears were gone, you know? Yeah. Um, now he ain't got a tail either. His tail's gone.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: He looks pretty rough. He, Uh He was starving. I gave him a cookie and made him a summer sausage sandwich.
0: <laughs> is, uh, can you, like, is there a way of telling how old a coon is other than, like, sending in teeth or something?
1: No. Though, some of them I know the age because uh, um, um, some of them are, are ones that we rehabbed and released. But uh, um, this one just showed up one day. He may be a release one that I don't remember because at a time we were putting out about 100 raccoons a year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool though. It's crazy that how that how your relationship with those coons work out. They are like uh, pets do you. I mean,
1: yeah. What, what happens is anytime they get hurt or they get sick or something, they mm-hmm. can be gone for years. They come back and go back into their original pen and sit there and wait for you to find them. Really? Yeah, it's weird.
0: It's like they know they need help and they're going to come come find you.
1: They remember you. You're the one to help them.
0: Yeah. Gary says you can count the rings and the tails to tell you how old they are. <laughs> or, or maybe maybe that's tree that's trees. Maybe I don't know.
1: he's got this little stub.
0: He <laughs> might have one ring on it. Yeah, that's funny. Uh anyway, we got a. Uh, I don't know if it's really a news story, but we got a little cool thing that Dan got sent today or this week, whenever he got sent to you. I don't know when you got it sent to you, Dan. Um, but the the beast logo buck got killed uh yeah that's pretty year. depressing and
1: uh we might have to make a new logo because not a buck's dead
0: yeah here it is austin bow sent this to, to dan and uh see if i can find a better better picture for you there can you see there you go there? yeah i can sorry that better the beast
1: logo buck look at that
0: perfect <laughs> it is remarkably similar similar
1: <laughs> put him on a stick.
0: <laughs> a primitive primitive uh, climbing stick. Right. Oh, that's funny. That's perfect that he uh he was using a beast stick and everything there. Yep. Uh Oh, look at that. He's using them uh daisy chain amputators on his sticks Dan, Yep. How does that make you feel?
1: It's okay. It's
0: okay. <laughs> I got the, I the land right here. Someone I got these the other day. I don't know. They're uh, some kind of a am still rope, but it's not a daisy chain. I got to figure out how to use them to see if I like them or not. I just got one of them. But uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So congratulations, yeah. uh, Austin, on killing the beast gear logo, Buck.
1: Hey, you know what? You know what? Um, you should put the word out there. If somebody's got some uh, good video or something or some good examples of uh, – Beast kills or something. Let us know.
0: Yeah, um, you yeah. Know, if you,
1: you got a video on a hunt or something, and or if you got a testimonial of how the beast has helped you—not just the gear, but even if uh, you know the tactics and uh, finding our videos and stuff helped you out—we'd love to hear about it and love to uh, share that. You know, I get a lot of uh, messages, just like like uh, the the one there with the beast buck. Um, that, you know, I've even gotten people to tell me they've shot in state records and, and all kinds of stuff um, from stuff they've learned, but I never want to share it unless somebody says you can share it because you don't know how they feel about that. Some people are really quiet. Yeah, that stuff. Right. I know some other groups will jump up and down and throw that stuff out there. I don't want to do that without permission. But if somebody has something and they want us to put it out there, they're okay with that. I'd love to share the stories and the um, testimonials and stuff, especially while it's slow and there ain't much else going on
0: right now. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, we even talked about making videos, uh, you know, based around some of those stories uh, for the the channel. So.
1: so that's what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Even if
1: we, uh, if um, you wanted to edit a video, like where you put, um, you know, a series of clips in there, where you know somebody might just have, you know, a testimonial, and another guy has some pictures or something. Mm-hmm. Or even a yeah, video like that, if it had a couple of good things, in it, I think people would like that.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it didn't have to be some, uh, you know, pristine video footage of a, of a kill or anything. Just anything would be nice. It'd
1: be good for the shorts.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you guys have noticed. We have tried to up the amount of content on the channel with shorts and stuff. Just trying to keep keep things rolling on the channel. Um, I like yeah, I the old vent. Go, Go ahead. ahead. I like those old vintage, uh, Dan in clips that we, we've been pulling out of your archives. <laughs> yeah. I got to dig up
1: some more. I got some good stuff buried near somewhere. So I don't, know. try to find yeah. something you guys haven't seen. You now I got a whole case of, um, videos here that were, um, like, uh, that got ruined. You know, you when we used to have the old DVD stuff and stuff from way back mm-hmm. and I have no idea what's in there. There can be some stuff in there that, uh, i've never used or seen or anything and so i got to go through some of that i had it redone and put on discs um like 10 yeah. years ago i never even opened a box and there's probably 30 discs in there Jeez! so i have <laughs> probably got some good vintage stuff yep the
0: uh yeah the yeah who do you think i am said uh YouTube's really pushing the shorts a lot now, and they are. Right,
1: and and because of that, we have to kind of put them up because uh, um, if we want to grow and, and uh, do more of this, I mean, we make our money from YouTube, so um, yeah. putting the shorts up is really growing the channel fast. Now there's some bad that comes with it, too. Um, I've noticed a lot of anti-hunter comments and stuff on the shorts, so they're putting it out to a huge demographic, um, and it's not always going out to the people we kind of want it to. Yeah. But we just, uh, you know, delete those comments and get rid of them. And yeah, like that,
0: but. yeah. Uh, Brush crawler has a good idea, Dan. He says have a self film viewer contest. The winner gets a beast stand.
1: There you go. There you go. Get all
0: kinds. Get, get all kinds yeah. of content. Mario,
1: Mario doesn't like me giving all those away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. he can yeah. be pretty jealous sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea though. That's kind of a cool idea, having some kind of contest. Yeah, maybe but, we could do that. Um, I know, I know. Like THP has they they do, or the hunting public does stuff like that. They'll have a contest and people win win stuff from it. But um, I don't me know if it's uh, vid- video per se.
1: Me and Carol went to uh, Fleet Farm. Sunday morning, um, I wanted to get a bin because I just bought a whole bunch of shirts to sell.
2: Before mm-hmm.
1: anybody says anything, I haven't put them on the site yet. But I had to get a bin because otherwise I'll get full of Carol's cat care, you know, so yeah. I going to get a bin. Well, a bin is what, 15 bucks or whatever, you know. Yeah. So we go down there and it's 7 in the morning they just open and the parking lot is full, just packed. I'm mm-hmm. like, what the heck? We walk in and there's some sale going on.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: they got all these balloons at every one of the counters, you know. And, uh, as a, uh, you know, I always do the manly thing and drop her off at the door. Then I go park mm. and I walk in. So she goes in before me, gets a card and I gotta go find her. Right. So I come walking in and they hand me this slip. Well, they had already handed her one and it's supposed to be one per family or whatever. Yeah. And it was, uh, that, um, when you check out, they're going to pop a balloon and you pick a balloon and they had all these balloons at the counters. And uh, there's a coupon in each balloon. And uh, there's it's for the first, um, like 500 customers or something. And after that, they're out of them. So the majority of them are 10% off of everything you bought, the next ones are 25% off. And then they had four of them for $50. And one of them was 100% off of whatever you bought. And they're also having a sale in the store. So then I just want to get this stupid thing. And she makes me or yeah. you're buying stuff. Well, you never know. You never, you know, Jesus. We need stuff anyway. All right. Okay. So we go through this whole store, we get like $350 worth of crap that we don't need, you know. And uh we go up to the counter and uh young guy there, and he says, uh, okay, pick a balloon. You know, she gives him she gives him her little receipt thing, you know? pick a balloon. Is that,
0: is that your yo- is that your young guy impression? Yeah. Pick a balloon. Is <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this kid like five that was checking out? It's no? well, more fellow than man, you know. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I got you.
1: So she picks out a balloon and uh, uh, he takes a toothpick and pops it. And it's a helium balloon, so it's up in the air. And when it <laughs> pops, this coupon goes flying and there's a million people around. Where is it? You know? And so they're both looking for it. And I just want to get out of this damn story. Yeah, right. <laughs> Want to do some scouting today, you know? And they're searching for a stupid coupon. So I start searching. So there's people in line waiting and stuff. And she's like, Well, let's pop it on the balloon. He goes, I can't do that. I got in trouble because I popped two before. He goes, They keep track of every balloon and every coupon that matches it. She goes, Well, we got another coupon. Give me your other coupon. I go, He's got to match it with receipts. And she just wasn't getting that. Yeah. But I hand him the, the, the coupon. And he's like, Well, oh, okay. Because they looked for like five minutes. They couldn't find this thing. So she goes over and she picks a different balloon. So he pops that one and unrolls the coupon. And he's like, oh, 10% off. And I'm like, yeah, you got the big 10%, all this crap for that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> he goes back to the register and she's like moping around. She goes, look, and she points at this little corner underneath this register. She goes, there's the there's the coupon. She goes there and pulls it up. And it's the one that was in original balloon. And she unrolls it and it's 50% off. It's one of the four winners. You know, it's not the 100%, but it's one of the 450% right. off winners. And she goes, it's 50% off. And all of a sudden, everybody shuts up and spins their head around. And the manager comes running over and like, like gets on the loudspeaker. What's your name? Says her name across the loudspeaker and stuff. And the kid's just hanging his head. I'm thinking, yeah, he's going to get in trouble when the receipts don't match. Oh, no. <laughs> we, got, we got 50% off and all that stuff. So we got uh, like 350 $400 worth of crap for... After the sale price is too like one hundred and fifty dollars, nice. Yep, um, you did it. Those, you talked about winning something, so yeah. Sorry,
0: that's all right. Yep, those Fleet Farms are pretty nice. We don't have anything that quite that extravagant around here. We have Rule King, but I think Fleet Farms like a thing Bass yeah. Pro almost.
1: Yeah, they're awesome. But uh, yeah, it used to be way better with that uh, the giveaways and stuff like the Orange Fridays and stuff. Like the day before uh, gun deer season, they, they give an orange hat. It's really nice. A nice hat. And a lot of people collect them because they got the year on them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they started like having a, they're limited. There's only the first 250. And now the balloons was like the first 250 or whatever it was. And it's like, can't you just do a day of it? Yeah. I mean, you know, they're selling a lot more stuff. I mean, look at my old lady. We bought $400 worth of crap because of the stupid balloons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, cool. I'd, I'd say the vast majority of people just got that 10% off balloon, you know. Right. Um, that's funny. Anyway, um, you want to talk about deer hunting now for a little bit? I do. <laughs> so I didn't even tell Dan we were. I was wanting to do this, but I just want to, since we're kind of doing a couple of these a week, I wanted to at least do one a week on some like terrain features um, just for, uh, you know, however many weeks it takes. Um, to get, get through, you know, swamps, maybe, uh, cover some marsh stuff, hill country, farm country, all that stuff. And a lot of it will be the refreshers for, for some of y'all that watch consistently, but, um, something we could go back and, and listen, re-listen to, to to refresh yourself. Um, and I kind of want to talk about swamps today, if that's all right with you, Dan. It's fine with me. Okay. So, uh, I guess one thing that, uh, I, you know, I don't, I have one, one swamp here that I, I can hunt and I've hunted some swamps up in Wisconsin, but, um, obviously my experience, your experience dwarfs mine in in the, in the swamps. Um, whenever you are like looking for a, a swamp to go hunt, uh, what, what, like what features of a swamp do you like to look, look for uh, on a map, say?
1: So, um. I want to see it be, you don't have a lot of features. So I want to be able to see islands, see points. um, See a lot of places deer could hide and I want there to be good escape. Um, um, I like um, big areas, but that's not a deal breaker. Um, So um, once I look at a map and I see that stuff and then I'm going to take a ride around it and I'm going to make sure by looking at it that I feel like people couldn't just hunt it down and kill everything. You know, not, not every area is the same, but like in Wisconsin, a lot of people do deer drives. So if you got, if you got something that's pretty dry, pretty open, it doesn't have real thick areas to hide that are vast. People just push it and small, vast areas don't matter because if it's 10 acres, people will push it. They'll push that 10 acre part. But if it's, you know, hundred acres of cattails or dogwood or something. People won't push that mm-hmm. it will hardly penetrate it and there'll be spots where deer can survive to adulthood. So that's my big deal is that that deer can live on there and survive, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is there much, I mean, in, in your mind comparing like a marsh to a swamp, is there much difference in how you go about hunting those?
1: No, there's really, um, not much difference. Um, the, the main difference between marsh and swamp in scouting is that in a marsh, you can look out over it and really easily see the features. You can look at a map and real easily see the features. In a swamp, often they're hidden. It can be a little tiny island. It can be a couple of big trees. Now, when I was talking about scouting that swamp earlier, mm-hmm. you notice how I said I looked at it I saw that bowl out there. I could not see no mature trees on, a, on, a, on a, uh, the aerial. Mm -hmm. sometimes I can pick them out. Sometimes you can pick out the bigger round green area of, of like a hardwood tree next to all the others. And depending on what time of the year the pictures are taken, sometimes you can pick that stuff out easier as the leaves change and stuff, but not always because everything's green. It's really hard to to see the islands and stuff. And sometimes you have trees that are very similar, but some of them are different kinds and they're lower. So you can't really see the islands and stuff as well. Uh, but marshes, it's just so easy to see the points, see the terrain and stuff like that. Maybe too easy. If a guy's good at reading it, he's going to get right to the spots. In a swamp, you have to dig a little deeper. You have to be able to look for those high spots, those islands, those points, because the points might be trees to trees. It might be maple trees to tamarack trees, maybe not, or, or pine trees to tamarack trees, which the wrong picture would be very hard to differentiate.
0: Yeah, yep, that's what I. Um, if you get on like apps, and I, it's I don't really know which ones particularly do this. I know like Google Earth does it, but like you can go back in time to see different seasons. That seems to help a lot. Um,
1: what else helps is like if I, I use hillmap.com a lot, I use it on my computer. I usually, I like going on my computer before I go up because it's easier with the big screen. But yeah. hillmap.com. Splits your screen in half, and you can look at the same property in the same spot. When you move one screen, the other screen moves. And one screen you can have topo on, one aerial, or whatever you want. You could have, you know, like a, a one that's like a combination of terrains or just terrain, which just shows the hills shapes. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the topos, you can see the ring where it's like a foot higher that crosses the island. You know what I mean, and then you're going to start looking for the island in the right spot, and you're gonna you're gonna be able to pick up those trees a little easier. You know, right, right, yeah. Sort of mixing the, the terrain that you'd normally use, or the topo that you'd normally use in hill country to find it in a swamp is sometimes better.
0: Do you do you think um, like points going out into the swamp or islands are more important when you're scouting? Aerial maps.
1: Oh, that's a well points because even when I'm looking at islands, I'm looking at points coming off of those islands. Okay. So yeah. So I would say points, but uh, that really is kind of a loaded question. Um, it's really a matter of
0: yeah,
1: people aren't going.
0: Yeah, and I guess I'm talking. I'm, I, yeah, I guess I was talking about like inland points versus island points. I should have guess been more specific. Yeah, about I mean, it. if you've
1: got a parking lot, you walk right off to the inland point. Usually the islands better, but sometimes islands are very attractive to people too. Mostly lately, yeah. they didn't used to be, but now that people got, uh, onyx and stuff and aren't, aren't as afraid of getting lost and stuff. A lot of people are getting out there with, uh, with, uh, you know, onyx and stuff.
0: Yeah. Right. Wish um, to say, I mean,
1: while we're on the topic, did you see the story of the guy that got lost in Jackson Marsh?
0: Oh yeah. That was on Facebook. They're blaming you for that. <laughs> they were <laughs> people in the comments were. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's not far from here. We've actually so got he, a person on the forum named Mark Jackson Marsh because that's where he lives and haunts. Oh really? Uh, yeah. I, I guess he went out there and called the called his mom. Mom up and said and started crying or something and sucking his thumb and said he was wet and cold and. They sent out uh, helicopters and rafts and all kinds of stuff to, like, half the country to go out there and pull the kid out of the marsh, and some yeah. people do not belong in swamps. Yeah. You could you could airlift me over the top blindfolded and drop me into the middle of one of these marshes. I don't even know which marsh, and I'll walk right out. I don't know what yeah. the problem is.
0: Yeah. There is like a, uh, it was probably something we should talk about on this show is, um, and I, I've seen people asking in the, in the comments too, about walking through cattails and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It is intimidating for someone like, like when I first went to a marsh, like you, you know, it. I mean, that's a, a lake out there almost, you know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, what's a, I guess to you, how do you prevent yourself from going underwater in a marsh?
1: Well, I would say that most people are afraid of the marsh because it starts moving on you and stuff. You get out there in the boggy areas, mm. and, uh, and a lot of these marshes, especially around here, they're uh, they're floating on an under 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 the marsh lake kind of thing. Yeah. So when you walk on them, you'll see it, it floats around like a waterbed. You know, it's like walking mm-hmm. on a waterbed. Now, that'll scare the crap out of guys that have never done that before because i take people out we do drives and stuff and you'll just see people go in panic mode and i'll be walking right beside them they don't see me going in panic mode so i don't know why they do but uh um they think they're just going to fall through that and and just never be seen again but the reality of it is is that mat is is tough enough that if you go through you put a leg through you pull your leg back out and maybe you put another leg through but you're not going to just fall completely through under your head you know um where you do get in trouble is if you try. try crossing canals or something like that. There are bad spots in marshes and I've gotten into a few of them,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. mostly by frozen ground. That's the most dangerous time to be in the marsh, believe it or not. Everybody waits till they're frozen to get out there because they feel like they can walk out in spots they couldn't get to before. But there's hot spots because rotting vegetation will heat up the, uh, the water and it won't freeze. So you get this thin layer of ice and it could have been really cold. But you'll have one spot that ain't frozen, and when you're walking on that, you're actually walking on some spot that's really unsafe and go right through and go over your head. One of the rules is you don't walk where there's no vegetation. If, if you know, even on ice, if you see an open spot and there's no vegetation, you walk around. To stay in the cattails. Might be harder to walk, but it's safer. Um, crossing the canals and stuff can be very bad because a lot of yeah. times. Um, they're just filled with silt and they're really like 10 feet deep and it's just silt filling them in. I mean, a lot of them, I'll go up to them and I'll poke a stick in there. Like, like you break off an old, uh, a dead tree and you start putting it down there and I'll go further than my head down and I ain't hitting bottom. You know, I think yeah. about that, uh, buck we shot in the marsh. One of the guys shot it and then everybody started shooting it to finish it off. It jumped in the, in the, in, in the water and started swimming across the marsh and swam across the, uh, uh like, uh, a, a bay. And started to try to come up the cattails on the other side and died in the water. So we all went around to get it. And we get over there and it's out in the water about 10 feet. We can't get it in. There's a little bit of ice there. But it's too thin to walk on. And you can't, there's nothing to grab it with. So we're trying to figure out how how to get at that thing. And I was going to just wait out there. And we got a stick off of an island. And I went, and that stick was really long. It was a dead, like, pine tree that was really long. Yeah there was no bottom. The water was like an inch deep and you, and I'm standing on this little hump that is floating around or you're moving on. And it's like, it's like, you're standing on like a, uh, like an inner tube. Cause it's floating and bobbing. And I poked that stick down all the way to the bottom with no effort. And there was no bottom. And that muck has a suction. You go under, you ain't coming back up. So you don't want to just jump into that water, even right on the edge. I mean, it can be bad. So you just gotta be careful, but it's not really dangerous. Per se the most mm-hmm. dangerous time is when when it's frozen. When it's soft, when it's when it's hunting season, if you're coming up on something bad, you can feel it coming. It's not like it's all of a sudden. It's like all of a sudden you're putting legs through and stuff. I mean, you're not just gonna keep walking out there. If also you put the leg through, your next step you put both legs through, and then the next step you're down to your armpits. You're not gonna crawl out and go ten more feet. You know, you're gonna go around it at that point. So you can feel it coming except for when it's frozen.
0: Yeah. All right. There you go. Everybody was asking about that in the, the comments. Some people were asking too, is there a trick to being quiet in the cattails?
1: Um, yeah. Don't talk on camera too loud, right?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> That's one of my biggest comments. People don't realize that the camera is right up by your face. You sound loud, but um, yeah, you, you know, you try and be quiet. You're going to make a lot of noise and to yourself, you're going to sound like a freight train. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is that your sound doesn't penetrate those cattails very well. And I know this from experience. So when I'm up in a tree and a deer is coming, I can hear it coming through those cattails for a mile because of how loud those cattails are. But I get on ground, I will never hear them until they pop out in front of me. And on ground, I have actually had hunters pop out in front of me where I don't hear those hunters until they're within about 20 feet. So my point is, is the sound is not penetrating those cattails like you'd think, and those deer are buried down in those cattails bedded. If they are up on the islands feeding or something, they're probably going to hear you for a while, but if they're down bedded in those cattails, like they should be, they're probably not going to hear you as much as you think. Now, with that said, you still have to be careful with noise, but my point is you get away with a lot more than you think.
0: Yep. Um uh, same thing like whenever you're walking through a cornfield you think you're like making all kinds of racket and then but you know deer can sneak up on you in a cornfield and you never you know yep. never know it until they're right on top of you it's probably the same exact concept in in marsh grass I'd imagine or cattails I mean Um all right Dan we have we've gotten our spots picked out on the map we got a good island and some good points um how do you go about getting your boots on the ground? And like, how would you tell someone new to going into a swamp, how to start scouting on foot?
1: So, um, I would go this time of the year, go in there when, uh, before the vegetation gets too thick. And, uh, I would walk the transitions, the edges. I'd look at a map first and I'd have a goal. I'm going to walk this terrain or whatever, but, um, your average guy He's going to go out there and when he goes through a woodlot, he's going to scout the whole woodlot or he's going to see rubs and wander over by these rubs or, you know, find sign in that woodlot, which is just totally useless. All the big rub does in that woodlot is tell you there's a buck there. What you need to know is that that buck's there in daylight and where he is in daylight. And that's going to be by finding sign along the transition, the edge, because that's where they bed and live in daylight. So you're gonna to wanna to follow the, that edge of the cattails. You're gonna to wanna to follow the um, edges of the islands. You're gonna to wanna to look at the little points that go out there. If there's lone trees out in the cattails, you're gonna to wanna to walk out in those lone trees. If there's some heavy trails going out into the cattails into nowhere land, you're gonna to wanna to walk out there and see if there's beds out there. Um, but you're gonna to wanna to do that all along that edge. And really you can you can wipe out a huge marsh pretty fast if all you have to do is look at the edge. You can, yeah. scu- you can scout thousands of acres in a day just by walking that edge.
0: Yeah, it's uh, transitions and stuff. And leeward sides. to talk about that in Hill Country when we do Hill Country. But it's almost like a cheat code for, for scouting. You know, it's like you can be so much more efficient when you figure out those uh, particular areas to, to look at. Um, right. so, yeah. so
1: what I want to do when I'm finding those. So you look at a map of that, right? Mm-hmm start looking at that map and thinking, okay, Now all this edge, where's nobody going? You know, or, or where are very few people going? We're, you know, where's the majority of people concentrating? and I want to stay away from those edges. So I'm, I might end up in edges that are real close to the road or something in between parking lots because nobody's going to go over there. I might end up in edges that are real remote because nobody's going to go there. But the last thing I want to do is hunt an edge. That's, you, you know, um, 400 yards back and, uh, a walking trail takes you there, you know, so think about where you're actually looking and not wasting time.
0: Yep. Um, before we go on everybody, I put the call in uh link in the comments. And also if you guys just ask questions in the comments, if you're new to the, the channel and we'll try to answer them here at the, uh, at the end. Um, so Dan, as far as you've watched walk the transitions and all that and found everything you were looking for, like what, what, Clues, clues would you tell people to look for uh, that would tell you it's a buck bedding in a particular area? Or how do they use the swamp uh, or the marshes to bed versus like does?
1: Well, um, they're usually right down in a point. They're usually, um, they can be in like holes of thick cover. The does in groups tend to bed up higher, more into the, to the trees, like on a point, the centers and they bed in a circle fashion all looking in a different direction where the bucks are solitary animals that kind of get this like pristine, perfect bedding area, Mm -hmm. you know, where you look at it and you're like, how the hell would I ever get close to this? You know, they they bed solitary. So they they're going to have something up against their back. They're going to be looking downwind um, or they're going to be in a hole of thick cover. Now there isn't really, as many wind specific bedding areas as what people would think, because in the thick areas like that, they can just move their bed over 40 yards for different wind, but they'll still bed in the same area. You know what I'm saying? So it'll be like a bedding area with like, it'll have like, uh, most of the really good bedding areas will have like say a dozen or more, sometimes way more beds in like a little acre spot, half acre, quarter acre, um, a small little patch, They'll have beds all around a little position, and there'll be a couple of real key beds that you'll be able to see real well, and the rest of them will but you'll just kind of be all over the place. And they'll get up, move periodically through the day based on winds and thermals and whatever. So uh, it's not necessarily a doe bedding area just because you find a lot of beds. Now, um, doe bedding areas will often have buck rubs adjacent to them. Like uh, a lot of people will say downwind. I won't say that because I see them a lot of times going on the upwind side too because they'll uh, they'll actually check the doe trail, not necessarily the uh, be smelling for them. They might smell the trail as you know the entrance trail. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the rubs will be adjacent to it when it's a buck bedding area and they're rubbing in it. The rubs will actually be like marking the beds. You'll be able to tell the bed's right there, the rubs right there at the bed, and it's like he's marking that he's saying, this is mine, you know, um, now they don't always rub in their beds. It's a, that's a matter of what time of the year they're bedding there. So that could be, um, you know, if they're bedding there in September or say, um, December, uh, they're not always as aggressive in those times. And maybe they're not rubbing. I've noticed that, uh, when you're hunting public land, a lot of times, the buck I'm after might be the only mature buck on the whole property. He doesn't need to rub those areas because he doesn't need to compete. Any buck that knows he's there won't come near it. You know, if he's the dominant animal and he's the only one of that age class. So then a lot of times these areas will not have very many rubs, but what you'll usually find is a rub line coming out of them later or further off or something like that if they're still bedding it, you know, around that late October time period. Or if there's the bedding area is really close to a doe bedding area and they're bedding there When the does are going in heat, you'll see that bedding area just tore up, you know, with with rubs. But uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, we uh, I just watched your buck you killed uh, two years ago now, I guess, in in uh, 21 early season. And you mentioned in that video, like there's where the buck, the big buck bed and then the does seem to bed over here. Like you Mm -hmm. is almost exactly what you just described there. So um, it's pretty interesting um all right let's uh we got some questions coming in and got a a call in here um actually before we do that though i wanted to ask you one more thing something that we don't talk about hardly ever doesn't seem like but um for each of these terrains i want to talk about like the best way of getting a deer out of these terrains uh because that's something that you know me and you have a fair amount of experience doing now what what in marshes and swamps how does a guy get a big old 250 pound buck out of the middle of a Wet, nasty marsh.
1: The, the best way to do that is to call Eric Jesky. We, we can put his number in the, I'll get
0: uh, his number real quick, put in description. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> no, it,
1: but seriously, it is good to have good friends. Um, yeah. I use a sled, and uh, in a lot of cases, a sled cart combo. Now, I got that Gray Fox uh, cart from, from that company this year, and I really mm. like it. And that's not yeah, a sales pitch nice. or anything, but I really like that cart. Mm-hmm. And I will use that on dry land for like the trail going back. Cause a lot of these places that I hunt marsh, I might have a mile of, of like access trail. It's really easy for a cart and carts roll real nice, better than a sled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I like to have my sled in the cart and take them both back and then drop the sled when I, or the cart, when I get to the point where it's going into marsh and wheels don't work no more. Yeah, And then I use a sled. And, uh, when you try just dragging a buck out of there, I mean, that buck that you were just talking about, that mm-hmm. was like, that was probably in the neighborhood of 240 or 250 pounds dress. We had a really a hell of a time getting that thing out. Yeah. Um, but in a sled that will slide over the cattails. Yeah. You know what I mean? It'll, it'll actually slide like it's on snow, not as well as snow, but it'll slide and, uh, it'll keep the inside of the deer dry. So when you field dress a deer, the last thing you want is swamp muck and water getting into that chest cavity because it'll start rotting real quick. That'll cause bacteria to get in there. So um having an inside of a sled keeps it kind of clean too. And uh it's good to have it tied into the sled because the sled will flip over. You'll it's not gonna be easy. Yeah. But you pull that sled out, get it through your cart, get it out with the cart. The biggest thing for me is when it's a real big buck, I hate for people to see them. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to know exactly where I pull them out or where I was hunting or whatever, because you're going to have issues with that. Um, per se, the buck we were just talking about, that spot is getting pounded by people now because they figured out where I was hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to keep that kind of secret. So getting them out at night um, or, uh, you know, you usually shoot them in the evening. So you get them out at night. It's pretty good. That buck I got on in daylight the next next morning. Um, because I hit it bad. So we waited and went in with a dog in the morning. And uh, that one, I did have a guy come up on me, knew who I was and freaked out on the size of the buck. And he was like taking selfies as I'm walking. <laughs> yeah. the path. But I mean, that's just part of it. But okay. uh, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of times we're getting these bucks out from a mile back. I mean, you can uh, a lot of people and I think yourself, you do that as um, you take them apart in the woods. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, we can't really bone them here, but you can piece them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, They got some pretty strict rules on what you can do here in Wisconsin. Yep. Um, Yep. Some places you bone them and stuff.
0: Yep. You got to be, got to really, if you're cutting out a state or even your own state, make sure you read the regulations. Like in Indiana, the way it's worded, I I had talked to a conservation officer about it, but it's worded as if you're not supposed to, you got to take the whole animal out. But the conservation officer said, as long as you check it in while you're out there, you can do whatever you want to with it. So like, there's little like loopholes, and you may call and ask those kind of questions on on boning out a deer and packing it out. So like, you know, Gary's buck, we had to, um, you know, we, after we found it, we just checked it in online, and then were, we're legal to do whatever we want to with it, as long as we have that confirmation number that's checked in. Then we can cut it up. So, um, but yeah, especially if you're buying your. Cut but I think they have rules on how many pieces. And I think they
1: have rules. You have to take everything out with you. So I got to take everything out with me anyways. And I'm a mile back. I mean, rather Mm -hmm. than make all those trips through all that crap, I'd rather just put it in the sled Yeah, with your buddy and take turns pulling.
0: Yeah. And hill country, um, bad hill country, it can be pretty rough pulling anything. You know, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, the um, uphills
1: don't work real well with uh, hill country.
0: Right. All right. Let's get a call. We got a call in here, Dan. Hey, Matt, can you hear us?
2: Hey, yeah, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, hey, I'm clear. How's it going, good. man?
2: Good, how are you guys doing?
0: Good, 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 good.
2: Good. Um, so I have a couple things that I just kind of want to discuss a little bit. Uh, Dan, I just know you kind of mentioned every once in a while, I think during uh, this, this the workshop that we did, um, access by boat. I've never seen a whole lot of your videos using that tactic. Is there a reason? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, I haven't done a lot of it uh, in recent years. I do have a canoe and I've got a couple kayaks. Um, one of them is set up specifically for, for, uh, deer hunting, but, uh, out here, a lot of the spots I was accessing by canoe and boat, um, started getting heavy pressure. A lot of people started doing that. Sure. Um, matter of fact, the, the marsh behind my house, uh, an outfitter started taking, um, uh, boatloads of people out there and dropping them off at islands and stuff. So, um, I had to find different places to hunt and uh, started doing way better at the spots along the road. But when I go on trips and stuff and places further away from my area, I see that as being a viable option again. I think people around here are doing it just because of
2: the hype about marsh hunting
1: around sure. my place.
2: Sure. Um, and then uh, I guess kind of go off one of your videos I was just watching. Uh, kind of freaked me out a little bit because. You're talking about you, your battery on your light died, uh, your battery, uh, I think on your tech cam or something was low too. And it was, uh, at the middle of the night when you were getting down and then you didn't get home till way late in the morning. Cause you had to go through some real thick stuff and you only had to rely on your compass. To me, that'd be mm-hmm. kind of freaky. Um, not saying that like deteriorate me from going deep in those spots, but definitely I think those spots you'd probably have to put a little bit more time in scouting you know, assume, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know I uh, I carry a backup uh flashlight nowadays and a compass and um usually when I have issues it's some place I've never been before or I've only been there once or twice. Um you get to know a place pretty well, but I don't let any of that deter me because really what can hurt you? I mean um it's just a walk in the woods. So um if I think back, I can think back years ago when it did intimidate me a little bit to go someplace new, especially if I went to like big woods or something where you could walk the wrong way for 20 miles or something. Then it would intimidate me a little bit, but, um, you do it enough. And if you just go out and you start doing that, you start losing all your fear of that. Sure. Um, and I just figure, you know, most places I hunt, eventually I'm going to hit a road. Eventually I'm going to hit, you know, where I need, even if I lost my compass, lost my lights, everything else. Um, eventually I'll get out. So, it it doesn't bother me that much. And I I think uh, if you can get over that initial intimidation and just do it, I mean, you're going to be a little nervous at first, you'll get over it.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, I had, I brought my wife out scouting this past weekend and uh, I fell through once (laughs) up to like my waist and so did she pretty close. So it was uh It was definitely eye opener. It was a. Uh, it was an experience. That's for sure. She, uh, she. She was. She wasn't too happy, but she was thrilled to go back to the. <laughs> to the truck right away and change her shoes and. Um, and then she's like, you know what? It's not bad anymore. The water's pretty warm now. I'm like, All right. no, Let's keep on going. <laughs> yeah. So, when, I
1: was, when I was younger, uh, I used to never wear uh, rubber boots because I called them boot. Aqu- uh, foot aquariums, because they're always full of water. So I just wore old tennis shoes, and I just wouldn't put socks on because they'd be ruined after you hunted. So I'd go sockless with tennis shoes on and, uh, just go through the crap and be soaked. And, and it was, it was better than, uh, (laughs) than walking around with boots full of water that were squeaking constantly. Right. And, uh, eventually I figured out that uh, it worked better to put my pants legs over the top of the outside of the boot. So nothing could get into the boot. And then I drilled holes in the boots in the bottom and let the water out. But nowadays I don't do that either. I just work where I step.
0: Put a big hole in the middle and the bottom of those gum leaf uh, high-end well, that rubber <laughs> Uh
2: One last thing, Josh. Uh, mm-hmm. So who is uh, ahead of the shed, Connie? You're Gary.
0: Oh, I think I've got a pretty good handle on it at the moment.
2: Yeah, all right. <laughs> I,
0: I don't know if Gary's found a shed this year. Yeah,
2: I don't think I'm he a, has either. I talked to him the other day at work. And I anything. found,
0: uh, I don't know, I think I've gotten seven. So, something like yes. that. But, anyway, that's funny. There's
1: seven already? Yeah.
0: Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I found
1: or are you just going to look for antlers?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't find one uh, yesterday. I went scouting yesterday, didn't find one. But, uh, I pulled a card and there was a bunch of bucks that had antlers still on them, so on their heads. I but,
1: think I'm probably walking right over the top of a lot of them because I've been covering a lot of ground and I'm not picking any up. I picked up really. that was, I think mm-hmm. the only ones I found.
0: Yeah. I found early on, I found like four old, old ones. Um, I found one in Illinois on that hunt too. I'm counting that one too, but that was in January. So anyway. All right, Matt. Thanks, man.
2: All right, guys. Uh, yeah. Love the show. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thanks, man um all right there's a, another good question here alex asked, what's your experience with swamps that are prone to flooding
1: they're harder but uh you, you're still based in bedding off of terrain um i preach going out and finding the beds a lot but once you learn where those beds are it repeats and you can start looking at, at marshes and swamps, and really, you'll know where the beds are and you'll know where the bucks are going to come from. And with this, with this flooding, the beds might not be in the exact same spots, kind of like they are, you know. Um, where I'm, what I'm showing in my videos sometimes, when I get fl- areas that flood every spring, like uh, near the Wisconsin River and stuff like that, you, you'll get debris will move around and stuff, and uh, from the fast water and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, the bed the actual bed positions will change, but you're still going to bed the same kind of terrain features. You know, the points, the fingers, the the uh, highest ground out there that stays out of the water, you know, um, the little tangles of brush, you know. So you got to um, look at the terrain more in those type of uh, areas, you know, for, uh, for a historical where they're going to bed. All
0: right. Frank asked, um, have you guys ever came across an area with a lot of bucks in the area uh, that there's not a lot of rubs and why is that? Hmm.
1: Usually um, not really because uh, all bucks rub. So you're going to find rubs, but there are areas where they rub a lot more than other areas. And uh, a lot of that might have to do with uh, uh, the type of trees Like, uh, where I'm at, if you get into one of those swamps that's got poplars all around it, around the edge, um, every one of those will be rubbed because the deer just, they seem like they can't walk past them without rubbing them. Matter of fact, it'll fool some guys because they'll see a patch of poplar somewhere and there'll be, oh, giant rubs on them. And they don't get walked by any more than anything else in that marsh. It's just that the deer can't walk by them without rubbing them, you know. So, um, a lot of it might be the type of tree... If you heard me talking earlier about that swamp, I was in, I said, there wasn't very many rubs in there, but by sign, I could tell there was a lot of big bucks in there, and by the remoteness. And I feel it was the type of trees is why they weren't rubbing. Um, another thing might be that there's not much competition, but if there's lots of bucks, there should be competition. Mm -hmm. But if they've got a really high doe density, that'll do it too. You don't see a lot of rubbing when there's, when there's like 10 does to one buck. They don't have to compete.
0: Right. They're all satisfied. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few people commenting on our seminars coming up. Um, all that information's in the in the description below. That's a good change
1: that. for you to tell them that uh, they can uh, get tickets if they're going to the Wisconsin uh, Dells show or the Columbus, Ohio show. They can get tickets early for two bucks off each by using infault two. I don't know what will yep. happen. Try infold five, but <laughs> 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 they told me infold two, and you'll get two bucks off. Yeah, I think they're monitoring how many people buy the tickets to see if it's worth having me again.
0: Yep, and that's all in the description of the the video. All that information is down there for you guys to look at. Uh, as far as times for the seminars, we're doing them like twice a day, so. Um, I don't I can't remember off the top of my hand the exact times, but I think once in the morning, once in the evening, it's the same same seminar. Um, so there should be plenty of opportunity if one's real full or something for if you guys are gonna come to, to listen to it. Me and Dan practiced it before we got on here. So we're we're trying to make it a good one for everybody.
1: My daughter um, gave me some good advice. She said the, something about being naked up there or something.
0: Oh yeah. So, try that. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. All right, um, Dan, you've actually done a little video on this, I think, or you've talked about it in a video. He does. Does he? Just, uh, Cody asks, does "Any? Does everyone leave their carrying strap hang straps for their hang on at the bottom of the stand while they're in it?" Um, I
1: I do, but I use the real thin, small ones. Um, I use you leave uh, them on. gun slings, and I leave them on. Yeah. But uh, if you use one of them big pack ones, like a molly one or something like that, I would not want that under my stand, honestly. I think that scares deer when it's a big blob like that. Now, I can blend into a tree by getting my feet, my, the heels of my feet up against the tree. You know, I'll put one over over the cable on one side and the other one in the middle, depending on which side the deer is on. And I'll get my legs up against the tree, my back up against the tree. When you look at that platform, you'll see right through it, you know, to it'll look like branches. Yep. You won't be able to see me up there. If you're a deer, you put a big pack under there and it's something sticking out of the tree that wasn't there yesterday. So I don't like, um, backpacks up there. I don't like that thing underneath your stand up there. None of that. So I got little thin straps. Now I don't use the, the factory ones. I use, uh, gun slings and I just go to a uh, fleet farm. And yep. they're the same thing as if you, if you go buy, uh, um, tree stand slings from one of the other companies. That's all they do is they buy bulk ones from, from gun manufacturers. So you can get them cheaper at fleet farm. Just go in there and look at their, uh, gun sling selection. Fleet Farm's got a really good selection and you can pick out two that kind of match that are, you know, small, slim, but a little bit of padding is what I like. Yeah. And, uh, I don't like anything big personally.
0: Yep. I essentially do the same thing. I just got single backpack straps is all they are. Um, the only thing that would be good
1: is like if you if you need a little more support, just find some way of connecting them in the front, Pull mm-hmm. them together, and mm-hmm. then and then, it, and then you don't really need any kind of other support, especially if you put a clip on it or something. Yeah, uh, but uh, I don't even. I really know. Do that with I, all light.
0: I know that's what I. Uh, I don't know, and I, I this is just my opinion. It Doesn't matter if you want to use all the hip belts and people like people will put a straight up like backpack frame on it for oh. the the fifteen pounds.
1: It's Enough. I mean, without light they yeah. you don't craft.
0: Yeah. I guess maybe if you're hauling in a whole bunch of other stuff on it, then maybe it's more comfortable that way. But
1: yeah, well, I think a lot of people do. They put backpacks on. Yeah. Right. They got to have uh, rattling antlers, bottles of water, sandwiches, you know, a summer mm-hmm. sausage later in the afternoon, for mm-hmm. roast, and uh, <laughs> you know,
2: a, grunt call a, green call,
1: a, a <laughs> grunt call, a weed call, a spare grunt call. Four spare flashlights. <laughs>
0: uh. Yep. Yep. Anyway. All right. Adam, he asked us a question. You guys target specific terrain and plan growth areas differently throughout the season. How do you move through them some, from September, October to late season? Find thicker and thicker areas. He's asking, like, I think he's asking, like, do you, you monitor, like, the thickness of the areas you're hunting, you know, as growth happens throughout the year.
1: I'm kind of looking at that, uh, thicker terrain all the time. And that that back stuff, um, the stuff that's remote and, and near thick cover. Um, but, uh, certainly I'm looking at individual bedding areas and trying to determine what time of year they're bedding there. And, uh, you know, um, I think some areas, you're right. If the area has got cover later in the year, it's going to be better, um, and you see some of that. Um, I see them move into the cattails a little more. Um, you, you know when they start losing leaf cover, but coming back out when uh, snow and ice gets deep. You know, um, so I do see trends, but I, you know, I can't say I've been specifically targeting that.
0: Yeah. There's definitely times though, like, um, around here in early October, um, I think a buck would feel safe in areas. And then you'll go in there after the rut or something and you're like, I, you know, I, there's no way a buck would be in here, whether that be just leaf coverage falling off everything and, um, yeah. that kind of thing. Know, so
1: hunting the hill country, um, in Western Wisconsin, I mean, I've found some areas that are like really thick pines and you're like okay, there's bedding in here. I'm, I'm willing to bet that if I come back here late season, and sure yeah. enough, come back here late season, well, yeah, that's got thermal cover. and Then all the deer in the area that would be sitting on a bare open hill mm-hmm. are in there. You know? Yeah. Um, so it does right. make sense.
0: Yep. All right. AJ had a question for us. Okay. If the transition has lower ele- elevation like a drainage... Was it would it still hold bucks or would they be on the side of it watching down at it?
1: The transition has lower elevation, yeah. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. I guess it depends on airflow, you know, um, airflow, escape, cover. There's a few different factors. Uh, it's obviously worth checking. I can say this that the majority of the betting I find is at the same elevation, um, at the top third or top fourth, right off, you know, right over the top at the, you know, like military crest. However, some of the best bucks I've found weren't there, they were down lower and in those ravines and in those draws and stuff. And, uh, what I've noticed is a lot of times in those draws at the lower elevations where you get a bench down there and stuff, a lot of times you'll get a swirling there and it'll pull scent from every direction. Um, I can remember one real big buck I was after in the hills and I knew where he was bedding and I'd kicked him out of there three different times and the only three times I went in there he was there so I knew he was just living in there but every time you get near it my struggle would be when you drop milkweed from any direction all the way around it it would go right in there so uh that's why he was bedding there and uh I do think those drainages and those draws the steeper they get the more they cause Uh, Wind variance and stuff, and if they got cover to go along with it, or they got a good bench in there, yeah, they often have the, you know, better bucks in there. What are your thoughts on that? You hunt a lot of that.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, as long as the, I mean, transition still still is transition. I don't know what I don't know exactly what he means by low area of of the transition. Like if it's filled with water or something, yeah, they probably just be on the. Just outside the water, you know, but it had to be a oh, lot of really low. Well. Yeah, thinking, I, I don't know.
1: I was talking, I was thinking he was talking like halfway down the hill. You know, if he's talking way down in the bottom, I'd avoid that. Oh, early
0: stuff, you know? I was thinking, uh, tight I, draw had, I thought we were talking about, I thought we were talking about swamps. That's what I was well, in I my just head. assumed we were talking about hill country the way it was worded. Maybe he was. Um, maybe I, I was wondering what you were talking about there for a while. I just. <laughs> Let you go. Okay, that's, that's sorry. Explained. Maybe maybe uh, I misinterpreted too. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, sorry, man. If we did a crappy job of answering that one. Sometimes these are hard to answer and without having like a, a map example or being there. But um, onward here. All right. Joe asked us: Do gum leaf? How do gum leaves compare in comfort to muck and lacrosse boots? Um, that's a good question.
1: So for, for me, I would say that, um, uh, it's different at first. It's it feels a little weird because, um, uh, it's not the same feeling, but it's not like they're uncomfortable. Um, they fit me just fine. As a matter of fact, I think it's a, you know, better fit for me. Doesn't mean it would be for somebody else, but it did catch me a little weird at first cause it's not the cushiony kind of like, uh, with all the padding that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you have in muck boots. Um, the padding's thinner more rigid you kind of feel where you're stepping a little better um i actually like them better um all the way around um but it is different it's not the yeah. same and I, I think it does take a little bit of getting used to if you're used to walking in mucks
0: yep um i completely agree with you it's super different when i first got them i didn't know if i was going to like them and then i wore them a couple times and they're fine the, the one thing i'll tell you though this will be the first year in a long time that i've Uh, won't be buying a new pair of boots for next year you know me too too. I mean I usually go
1: through two pairs of boots a year and the second pair is ruined really too at the end of the year yeah so I could really go through three pretty easy and I've been sporting these uh gum leaves the whole season and Mm. literally I'm out in these swamps like crazy and just walking through terrain and hitting barbed wire fences and thorns and all kinds of stuff. And they are holding up. I'm really impressed with the uh, longevity of them.
0: Yeah. That's the thing with me. That's why I like them is don't have to buy another one now. <laughs>
1: um, and the height of them too. And, and, um, yeah. um, if you use code beast, you get a discount on them. I'm not yep. trying to do a sales pitch, but if somebody is looking at getting them, you might as yeah. well just get your discount out of it.
0: Yeah. Cause they aren't cheap. They're expensive boots. So definitely use that if you're going to buy some, um, Pharrell asked, uh, what's louder, Josh, the cattails or the, uh, palmetto, uh, whatever,
1: fronds. I have to answer that for you. Cause you told me.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the, the palmettos are freaking loud. They sound like drums going off when you're going through them. Uh, they're, they're way louder than the cattails.
1: I was dead asleep at like two in the morning and the phone rings and he's like,
0: these palmetto things are blowing up. They're just loud.
1: And he up. I'm like, what
0: the hell was that about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh okay Sorry,
1: you really do that. It was just kind of like that.
0: Yeah, they're loud. Um Tyler asks, uh what's your secret to keeping your hands warm late season in Wisconsin? I don't I notice you don't wear gloves. I wear gloves, but Dan you don't. I'm like a lizard. I'm cold. You know, <laughs> you just get cold.
1: Yeah, I, I just uh I have a hard time with uh shooting with gloves on. I it yeah. throws my shooting off. So, I don't like wearing them and I don't want to be stuck in a tree and also you got to pull a glove off because there's a deer around. Um, but I really uh, believe I get acclimated to the cold by uh, being out there a lot. Like, uh, I'm always outside in a t shirt and stuff when it's cold out and stuff. And I think I just get used to it. Kind of like if you go down to Florida and it's uh, 50 degrees and you're, you, you know, at this time of the year and you're like, Oh, is this nice? And you're out there in a t-shirt walking around and you look and everybody's in a winter jacket looking at you like you're weird. It's because you're from up here and you're acclimated. To, you know, to, that seems like a warm temperature. And the same thing when they come up here, you know, and it's, uh, um, 30 degrees out they are wearing an Eskimo suit and, you know, giant yeah. boots and, and coveralls. And you're like, what the heck you get used right. to the cold. If you're out there a lot, you get used to it. Trouble is if you're, uh, you indoors a lot, you got an inside job, and, you, you know, it can be hard to get used to. And uh, being cold can make it pretty miserable and pretty hard to kill things. So I wouldn't suggest uh, trying to be Dan. I mean, if you, if you need gloves, wear them. Um, I know when it's real cold out, what I like to do is, because I don't like gloves, is I just put a, one of those hand warmers in my pocket. Yeah. And just when they get real cold, I'll just stick my hand in the pocket for a while, you know, mm-hmm. and just let it warm up for a little bit.
0: Yep. I've hunted in Wisconsin a lot now, late season, and it gets brutally cold. And the only thing I've found kept kept my hands warm was a uh, one of those hand muffs, and I put the that I put the hand warmers inside of those. Yeah, I um, just don't
1: like something in front of me.
0: Yep, it doesn't bother me. I've had one since I was a little kid, so I'm mm-hmm. just used to it hunting in the cold, you know. But that's a if you don't want them to get cold, that's definitely one way of of doing it. Um, some people are asking, like, some Hill Country questions and stuff. We'll, we'll get to those whenever we do some the, a show about Hill Country, uh, everybody. Um, Oleg, he's called in a, a few times on the show. He's asking, what's your plans for bear season this fall?
1: Um, I'm thinking I'm going to Michigan. Um, but Michigan's going to be a little later if I do it. So it'll probably... I think if I draw there, it'll be like, uh, second or third week of, uh, September. Um, so I, I don't know what to expect out of that. Um, I got a friend up there who, uh, really wants me to come up there. I've been, uh, putting some points in, so I might, I might try that. Yeah. I should draw if I, if I apply.
0: Uh, I don't have any fair plans. I like, um, you gotta get you up to uh, Wisconsin. I keep telling you that. You I know. This year is gonna get, be. I want to see her,
1: your wife shoot a giant bear. Like
0: <laughs> she got her new bow. I got to get set up for. her. she uh, won't she? I think so. Yeah, she's gonna. She's she has a, a slight bit of fear about it, but uh, I think she would. She wants to. She always talks about how bear would be cool. Um, did, she got. Did you get five points? That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. she got a uh she got a prime bow it's kind of weird um and you know i i have built a relationship with mitch and those guys at prime (laughs) i i I asked him i said is there can i get a uh like a couple year if you have like an old years model or something i just want to get her a new bow she's had the same bow for a long time it's getting old and whatnot and uh He's like, yeah, and I, and he said, actually, we, they got me one with, they had a set of really light limbs for because she can't pull back very much. she got a 30, 40-pound limbs, you know. I said, oh, great, that'd be perfect, you know, an old, an older model with those limbs. And he's like, okay. Well, they sent me a, the old model bow, and they, they, but they didn't put the limbs on it. They just had the limbs in the box with it. So I got to, like, I got to put it all together. <laughs> so I, I got to build it. <laughs> I thought it was kind of odd, but I was like, oh, I'll get it figured out, I guess. Pretty I ordered
1: to... uh, I ordered two new bows this year. Yeah, yeah. I got, I, I wanted two that match because uh, I'm always running them over with the truck or dropping them on a tree stands or yeah, or leaving them on my tailgate and driving off and they fall off and yeah, yeah. See, I'm yeah. only I'm only everybody looks up to me like I'm some sort of great person or something. I'm only good at hunting. The rest of
0: yeah. life. I... <laughs> oh yeah that's all right though uh let's see here I'll probably,
1: I'll, I'll probably give away my bow, my my last year's model that's yeah. why I got that's why I got two I don't need three but I got uh, yep. two that match completely exactly the same so I got a spare yeah, backup one.
0: Mm-hmm. but
1: uh, I'll probably give a, give away the other one at some point
0: yep um that last year's model bow, I really liked it too I obviously I it served me well this year or last year. Um, Let's see here. How many sticks do you use, Dan?
1: I use, well, how many I use is different than what I take. I take five sticks with me every time I go. And uh, even if I'm planning on hunting out of a tree where I need one or I don't need any, I take five sticks because I never know for sure if that's exactly where I'm going to end up. And they're light enough at two pounds a stick that uh, doesn't bother me. But when I need five, I want five. You know, if if, if it's a spot where I need to get up that high, I want them. Um, But the majority of the time I use four or less in swamps. When I hunt kill country, I think the majority of the time I use the five, four or five. But in swamps, I use three or four. Um, But I always take the fifth stick in case I need it.
0: All right. Let's do a few more here. EBJS 2007 asks, is there an uh, – wait a minute. That's the wrong question. Sorry, man. Uh, Dylan asks, do you think that game cameras can wreck an area, and if so, how?
1: Well, they can, they can uh, wreck an area by putting too much pressure on an area. So if a guy's putting cameras out there, checking cameras, it can put a lot of pressure on an area. However, um, if you're seeing game cameras there and you're concerned about somebody else putting game cameras there, you should thank him for doing that. Cause now you know where he's putting the pressure. If he wasn't putting the cameras there, I think he'd still be there, but because of the cameras, you know, he's there. So now you can go not waste time in that spot. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, um, the regular trail cameras that they put out that, uh, you know, just take a picture. You got to go pull a card. They spook a lot of deer with those because they're checking them constantly. The cell cams. A lot of times guys will use a good battery pack or something and they'll stay there for a long time and deer will get used to them, but there's still that initial setting that camera up and stuff. And there's not a first sit and something like that. There's a little slap on the rear end where you're telling that buck you're coming. So they, anytime you enter a bucks bedding area or staging area, which is where I think you need to be hunting is the staging area. If if you're getting that close, anytime you penetrate that you're doing damage, even scouting. So you want to get in there, get the intel you need and get out and then not come back till it's hunt time. So that's my opinion on it.
0: Yep. You use more Um, cameras
1: than I use. Maybe you got a different take on that.
0: No, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, and I think, and I really do, Think that if you are going to put cameras out, you need to hang them, you know, above the deer's head so it's not right in their face every time it takes a picture of them. Um, you know, I I camo mine up like with spray paint or something just to keep them from getting stolen as easily. If it's amazing if you can get some like camo flat spray paint, how much that makes them blend in the tree for for people not to steal them. Um, and then the, another thing is is like I'm telling you, you have to be like really precise on where you, you put those cameras. If you're going to check them during season, don't put them to where you got to cross all the freaking deer trails and everything else to go check and make sure they're on the, the side where you're not, um, you not you know, getting sent all over everything. And even, even with that being said, like you're still going to get sent in the area. You're walking into the area. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I use a lot of them here in the Hills. I got them spread out everywhere. Uh, but I'm telling you like probably 90% of them, I won't touch them until you know after season and they'll collect that that data um and it's mostly just to see like hey this big deer lived or made it through gun season this is an area i'm going to focus on next year because he's going to be a giant next year you know something like that so um yeah,
1: we got one sorry. game camera over by me that um, has been in the same spot for i want to say five or six years Mm-hmm. It's never been stolen. It's right next to the parking lot, right along the main trail.
0: Really? Mm-hmm.
1: But it mm-hmm. does say uh, um, "property of the Wisconsin DNR" on the side of it. So.
0: Oh, really? That's
1: why it doesn't get stolen? But it is locked. But it's been there for five years, and you can tell somebody it's active. People are are, are using it and checking it. Um, but it's a DNR camera, and they don't steal that. So maybe a guy's got to put Wisconsin DNR on it or. Get a bunch of stickers or to put found. on. And then if you just use your DNR number, like like that's how you do it legitimately and not uh, and be able to sleep at night. You put Wisconsin DNR and then your your Wisconsin DNR number under it. And then it's legitimately uh, legal because you have to have your number on it. And uh, it's your Wisconsin DNR number. So that's how you have it worded, right? But you just put Wisconsin DNR real big.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. You should get some bunch of stickers made up and start selling them.
1: Yeah. Uh, I got a call from mom. Uh, uh, well, not a call, but a text from mom, um, um, the barbers, uh, the old man. He said that uh, he had four cameras stolen this year. He was all bent out of shape. and He was like, we got to do something. We got to put some paint bombs in these things. Or, you know, we got to do something. <laughs> I'm like, well, why don't we just tripwire them with 12 gauges and put them in. <laughs> <an 8-4?" laughs> <Jeez. laughs>
0: <laughs> and it looked like he
1: was uh, seriously considering that. So uh, I had to kind of step that back and say, I, I we probably shouldn't do that. It could be some kids or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Tyler's giving everybody uh, turkey hunting advice in the comments, Dan. Looks like. Nice. He's a good one to ask. We ought to have him on to come turkey season and have him tell us how to kill turkey.
1: Yeah. He's a turkey killer. Yeah, you know. Uh, um, never mind. I was going to say something. <laughs> <I
0: shouldn't>. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's do a couple more here. Lewis asks, "Can you explain your safety system for hanging the sticks and stands and safely transitioning into the platform? Do you utilize a lineman's belt? I'm getting older, and safety is a big concern. I can go first, and I, Wait, I do. I, I use, I, I use a, uh, I use a." safety harness and a lineman's belt. Um, and it's, it's a, it definitely is a safety thing, but it's just, for me, I can be a little more stealthy and stuff when I can use two hands and, um, all that. And, um, I've, I've used it for so long now. My dad made me use one when I was younger and, uh, I just, I feel, I almost, I, I can do anything I want to in a tree. If I have that safety belt on and as soon as I take that thing off, I just freeze up. So I like to have it on.
1: That's a good answer <laughs> so for, for, uh, legal reasons. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. I, I, I wear a safety harness whenever I hunt. Um, yeah, I don't use a lineman's belt, but, uh, you should.
0: Yeah. I think especially if you're, if you got any concern at all, just get, just get one. It's not, you know, it's not going to change anything. It's just, um, other than you give, give you a good feeling of being safe up there. And if you're nervous about it, you, you know, it's, Probably a good thing to have one on for, for sure. Um, let's see here. People were asking about our broadheads. We'll, we'll probably do a video sometime in the near future about all of our gear. So um, I think that's kind of all of them, Dan. We got through most of the questions that were related cool. to tonight's topics. Um, everybody, thanks for getting on tonight and there's a lot of people on tonight make sure you hit the like button before you leave if you like the show tonight and give us a subscribe and we'll see you i don't know a couple days probably all right (laughs) bye everybody
1: bye